Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Paradigm 132 Podcast, and I am your humble and gracious host, Rashad Horn. And on today's episode, I want to try, try to open your minds and take a walk with me on this journey of, this ain't Joe Biden's fault. <laughs> this ain't Joe Biden's fault. Um, I'm going to try to give uh, a couple of um, bits of piece of information. Uh, and then I have a particular source that I want people to go, you know, to go look at um, to kind of reinforce a particular uh, point that I'm going to make. But I'm just going to start by saying this isn't Joe Biden's fault. This isn't Joe Biden's fault. Um, I'm not going to talk about entire inflationary things. Um, I have a, a surface level understanding of it, right? But what I do want to talk about is something that I kind of have some firsthand experience with, and that's kind of the oil uh, situation or gas or diesel, whatever the situation is. Obviously, I own a truck. I operate a truck. I see diesel prices. I get upset. But one of the things that I have to understand with all of this is that I don't have I don't need to be emotional. It's enough emotional people in the world who will go off on tirades about, oh, it's Joe Biden's fault or or it's Trump's fault or it's this person's fault or this person's fault and this particular thing. It's like, no, this is a collective. This is a collective. Right. And we're going to go back. We're going to we're going to talk about how collectively. Um, we're at this particular point right now, probably for the first time since the 1930s. And I don't even think the 1930s could like the, the great depression. I don't even think it even got to a point like that where you literally had the economy stop. Like, um, a multitude of economy stop. Um, supply chain issues, all these particular different things like this, right? But we're here to talk about oil. So I worked in the oil field for a year, uh, 2018 to 2019, right before the bottom fell out, right before we got <laughs> negative, negative oil prices and now Oil per barrel is in excess of 115, uh, 120 some odd dollars an hour. I mean, I was about to say an hour <laughs> a barrel, with some experts predicting in excess of 180 if demand does not temper down some. And obviously, I see, you know, I saw individuals upset. I saw uh, Exxon posted um, their Q1 earnings. I believe Chevron posted their Q1 earnings, and they had like record. Uh, breaking years, well, record-breaking quarters, and individuals are pissed. They're pissed, right? And so, I'm sure all of you have seen um, little stickers. I don't think this is just a regional thing. Oh, you got the Joe Biden sticker with the pointing, and it said, I did that, and then it, it's, it's beside uh, diesel and gas prices, right? And they say, well, this is Joe Biden's fault. This is Joe Biden's fault. And again, like I said at the start of this podcast, 
I, I at least want you to kind of open your mind with me to say, well, Rashad, man, you're, you're kind of making some points. You may be right. It may not be Joe Biden's fault. Now, I'll preface that by saying solely he's a part of the political system, has been a part of the political system for longer than I have been alive. So he does play a role in this, but his presidency is not at the top of this deterioration, right? So I was listening. Well, let me go back. So I was in the oil field from 2018 to 2019. And so sometimes I would hear conversations um, from people. I would read certain things. And at the time I was reading it and listening to it, I really didn't think it was going to have like a, an effect, like it was going to be something that I needed to retain uh, that would later needed to be put into a conversation to bring forth some context. But here we are today. And so one of the things, the particular task that I had or the particular job that I was doing was we would get sand, we would deliver sand to whale sites, which whales are where you, you know, stick the pipe in the ground, use the sand to kind of force the oil back up, what they call fracking, um, which, again, was not a new phenomenon um, by any stretch of the imagination. It had been something that had been done. However, under the Obama administration, um, seeing as that it was cheaper to frack than to put so much investment into offshore projects, it became something to do. And obviously people made indications about how many barrels of oil, potential oil could be in that West Texas kind of lower New Mexico area. Like, like a ton of oil um, is in that particular area. A lot of untapped oil is in that particular area, as well as other parts that are off limits, even before the Biden administration took office, most long to be um, Alaska. Right. So, one of the things that I heard and read was that it was a lot of times companies would start on whales and they wouldn't finish. They would start on a wheel and they wouldn't finish a wheel. They would go from one wheel to another, one wheel to another. I don't know if it had anything to do with certain time frames and stuff like that. I know they would give I know they would give us and say, okay, we're supposed to be on this site for four weeks, or we're supposed to be on this site. For five weeks, right? And so I'm assuming those are the deadlines. Now, obviously, these particular companies are contractors for major oil companies. And so they're making investments. And so obviously, of course, we're not going to keep giving you money or keep contracting you out. And you're not, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? If if, if the work is is poor or you're, or you're not quality, because I know <clears throat> some instances uh, we will work for places um, and there would be a mix up. Something would happen on a well or something like that. And literally we would be sitting there for 12, 13, 14 hours just on the site as they sat there and they fixed uh, the issue. Now, obviously, that pushes that pushes time back. Right. So in 2020, what ended up happening is is leading up to 2020. When they say, hey, let the good times roll. You had people that were 
over investing in certain things, new equipment, hiring people, um, all this particular different stuff like this. You know what I'm saying? Trying to corner more of the market. You know, people get greedy. Right. And so 2020 came. And so the ones that were greedy. That had more debt than they had money to pay. They went out of business. Went out of business. And I went out to West Texas. I've been out to West Texas, West Texas recently uh, since my time went out there. And it looks a lot different than it did when I was out there. It almost looks like I know they're working out there. I know I know, I know that people are still working. I, I do know that. I know that. But it didn't it, it it just didn't feel the same as it felt in 2018 when I was working, when they were building uh, hotels and building um, other pl- buildings and stuff like that because it's overinvestment because it's like we're going to be here for a while. So we need places to lodge. There were apartment complexes going up, people, you know, moving out there and all these particular different type of things like this. And so you got to thank you uproot your entire family. If your family wants to come out there, you go out there in 2020 hence and boom, your company is no longer your company is no longer in business. You got to rent. You may have went out and bought a truck. All these particular different things like this because you were sold on. Hey, we're going to ride this out. Ain't nothing going to happen. Right. So I say that to say this. Two thousand. The George Bush Al Gore presidential race. Obviously, we know it ended in some controversy, especially most notably in the state of Florida, where George Bush's younger brother was the governor at the time. Right. But that's not the point. The point is Al Gore presented something, brought something up that I remember vividly from 2000. I'm not going to say that Al Gore was the 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 first person to say this, but in school, at least during my tenure, 2000, I was 10 years old. That was the first time we had heard the term global warming. Yeah, global warming, carbon deposits, aerosol cans, all these particular things are going up and eating away at the ozone layer, which is allowing for more harmful UV rays to come. Obviously, we see new information coming out where icebergs are breaking off due to an increases in temperatures and all these particular different things like this. So what did that set into motion? They set into motion regulations, regulations that put halts or restrict businesses and things from operating with essentially without any reprimand. Right. You're not being reprimanded for for doing this. Right. And so one of the things and the reason I say that is because obviously with these particular type of things going on. The biggest driver, quote unquote, for this is fossil fuels. So even though Al Gordon win, there has been a push since that time and probably even before then. But Al Gore brought global warming to the to the table. And so since that time, there have been more and more studies done 
and more and more regulation being put on certain companies, most notably oil companies. We had the big uh, oil rig that caught on fire through, um, I believe it was the Horizon, um, a transocean rig. They made a movie about it. And the amount of oil that it that it spilled into the Gulf of Mexico. I believe BP um, was actually a, um, contracting out Transocean to drill that particular well in the Gulf. BP had to pay a lot of money, a lot of things. And that was one of those things where people looked at that and saw people that were on that side and say, see, not only is it harmful to the environment as far as ozone layer, but look at what it just did. And I remember people had, um, there were um, places that were looking to hire people to go down to the to the Gulf Coast and help clean up oil off the beaches and stuff. And I had friends um, that I that I knew, they went down there, you know, cleaned up, you know, the beach and stuff like that, you know. Uh, even to this day, like Dawn had a commercial where they were wiping off the little uh, duck that had the oil on it and stuff like that. So, I mean, so obviously that was a big event. So the first thing that has to go is say, oh, we got to regulate it more. We got to regulate it more. Got to regulate it more. You know? And so all of those particular different things, right? And, and I'm just... I'm just, I'm not trying to give you an entire history class here. I'm just pointing at a couple of events that leads up to this, right? So, last week, I was watching, it was either MSNBC or it was, or maybe Fox. One of the two. Anyway, the CEO of Chevron was on there. And... The lady basically flat out asked him, um, can't you just pump more oil? And his answer was concise and straight to the point. I would love to pump more oil. We would love to pump more oil. But there's not an incentive to do so. There's not an incentive to do so. And what he means by that is the divestment and big oil, which precedes the Biden administration. Now, obviously, there's a there's a internal civil war going on between green and big oil. It's a fight. And so right now, big oil is at a point now where it's like, see what happened? Y'all are trying to do away with us so so fast. And now look, 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 look what happened. Where's the solar? Where are the electric cars? Where, where's all these particular different things that are supposed to help power people's homes and help people on their day to day journeys? Because if y'all were in place or or, you know, all this particular stuff like this, you know, you wouldn't be crying back to us, which. As some people are saying that the Biden administration is doing, saying that you need to drill more. And so one of the things that the Chevron CEO said was that he remember when he first started in the business. And I believe he said it was about 250 
refineries throughout the United States. He said it's less than half that now. And so I actually found a source, right? The source is EIA.gov. It's four pages, and it just shows the amount of refineries that have closed since 1991 to 2021. And we have some of these refineries that closed back in 1992, 1994, 1993, 1990. Obviously, we have some that closed in, you know, 2020 and 2021. <clears throat> and so, excuse me, what compounds this issue is like he stated in the interview. He said it's not a pumping issue it's a refining issue and he says seeing that administrations are trying to go green um we know famously one of the first things that um, the trump administration got out of when he took office was the paris climate agreement right and i believe if i'm not mistaken the biden administration elected to get back into the paris climate agreement and so one of the things he said is like hey Building a refinery takes billions of dollars and it takes a decade or so to get a return on an investment. And so basically what he's saying is if they had a clear path, say for 30 or 40 years to say, well, hey, we're going to let y'all go or, you know, regulate it, but not as regulated. Open up some more refineries so we don't run into this issue again. But that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Because the push is for green. The push is for renewable. So. To wind this conversation down. It's not about pumping. Right. It's not about pumping. One of the things people uh, say that uh, that Trump said was that we were energy. We were energy independent. Right. We're energy independent. And it's in. And it's true. We were energy independent. However. One of the first things that and I never took an economics. class. Well, yes, I did. I took one economics class in high school. But the first thing that you learn in economics is supply and demand. Right. So COVID hit. There was a low demand for oil. Because simply people were not going anywhere. They were they were forced to stay home. They weren't flying. They weren't doing any of these particular different things. They weren't going on cruises, things that do that. And so what ended up happening is, is you had refineries shut down. And not just shut down temporarily, but just shut down completely. So, between 2020 up until now, let me let me let me let me count how many refineries have closed permanently since 2020. So give me a minute. I'm right back on here. So I have one. I have two. 
I have three. I have four. I have five. Six. So six refineries since 2020 have shut down permanently. Six refineries since 2020 have shut down permanently. And again, like I said, this page is 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 four pages long. It's EIA.gov. Or you could just Google oil refinery closures. And but that's the page, EIA.gov. And it shows permanently shut down between January 1st, 1991, and January 1st, 2021. <coughs> Excuse me. So let me count before we get out of here about how many refineries have seemingly closed in that particular time and the reason that's important is because it brings forth the point that when you stop something altogether and things go offline because we saw what happened with the pipeline they got cyber attacked in the south and we saw how people were literally lining up at gas stations and you know going off just just going wild right and that was for two or three days. That was two or three days. And so imagine stopping it like not period, because like I said, I was still working and there were people, nurses and um, again, essential workers that were still going back and forth. But our demand did not put a strain on the system. But now things are back open. People are taking cruises. People are taking flights More people out driving. So the demand is back up. But you have six refineries that have closed down permanently. That are not going to reopen. Because, as the Chevron CEO said, it's not an incentive. And so he basically said. They need to sit down with the administration and figure out what it is that they want to do long term. Now, I'm not a financial expert, not a global macro micro markets expert by any stretch of the imagination. But what I will say is that this is going to last for I feel like it will last for a while. I'm not I'm not going to sit up here and try to prophesize and put put a date on it and say, oh, well, it's going to end this month or whatever. No, it's going to last for a while. Because. As many people dislike Donald Trump and some of the things that he said, one of the things that he did say that I felt stood true is that. We just can't shut down the greatest economy. Now, we needed to shut it down because. Of COVID. I mean, you, 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 you have to do that. Because it's something that's new that people didn't know. And people still are still trying to figure it out. There's new variations popping up all the time. But when you do stuff like that, plus you have refineries 
that closed down between 2020 and now on top of refineries that closed down prior to 2020. See, it's easy when you have stuff out front. You know, it's, it's kind of easy. It's kind of like, um, I remember I worked at a company, right? And I would make boxes. Like, I had to make boxes because I worked, I worked at a place um, that manufactured cups. And so what we would do is we would make boxes, right? We would make boxes and put the boxes in the machine with stuff, the cups in the box. And you have so many boxes. But there were times when you had something that happened, machine mess up or something like that, and you have to stop making boxes. And so what ended up happening in the midst of me making those boxes, and I had to stop making them, I would go up there and realize, oh, snap, I don't have any more boxes. Now I got to try to speed up and catch and make boxes. And so in order for me to speed up, what I would have to do is I have to go down and shit elf every single one of those machines that made cups. I have to, st- I have to shit all of the machines down and go back and try to make some boxes and try to get back ahead of this, 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 the cups. And so kind of that's what's going on now. Is that while you have oil, but you don't have the capacity in, in terms of refineries to make sure that the oil is being refined into what it is that you need, which is jet fuel, regular gas, diesel, these particular different things like this. And you're going to have to pay a premium price for it because the demand is so high because people are getting out more. Now, I did see where the Biden administration, (coughs) excuse me, were going to uplift some sanctions off of Venezuela. As well as the OPEC meeting, which some people feel like going to OPEC um, and one of the um, Saudi Arabian leaders ordered for an American uh, journalist to be uh, murdered. That's not the that's not the route to go. Um, and going back to the interview with the Chevron CEO, that's what one of the, that's what the, the interviewer asked him or basically stated was that, why don't you invest more money into American business to get this under control? But again, like I said, you're speaking from one side, you're speaking from big oil side. But you have a you have a, a constituency of green people who cast that ballot for Biden on a promise that we're going to be more we're going to be more aggressive on green. Even had a a deal on the table called the Green New Deal, where they were going to tear down buildings and remake buildings more efficiently, similar to what they're doing with houses now. With you know, as times change, you know, stuff go on. And had a whole bunch of other crap inside the Green New Deal that I didn't agree with and I did a podcast on it so you can go back and check that out if you want to but so you got a thin line to to, to walk now at this particular point I'm sure Biden's approval rating is very very low because the economy is in calamity 
I believe similar to the calamity that George Washington, George Dub, George W. Bush Sr. <clears throat> was able to manufacture in his term uh, as president and ended up losing to uh, Bill Clinton. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know why I'm coughing so much. Excuse me. So, that's what we have going on here. So, like I said, this is not solely Joe Biden's fault. This is accumulation of things that have reached a head. A head that, mind you, again, two years ago, oil was negative. Negative. I think Exxon... Because at one point in time, Exxon was the biggest as far as revenue generating company in the United States. Obviously, it's been surpassed by Microsoft, um, Apple, um, Facebook, things of that particular nature. But a fall nonetheless. So it's kind of one of those kind of, you know, it's kind of one of those things. So. And what people want is people want an immediate fix. And it's no such thing as an immediate fix. You got to kind of look at it in terms of if you if you sustain an injury and you got to rehab. Um, I've never I the only significant injury I've ever had is I, uh, I didn't break my wrist. I, uh, I sprained my wrist and I wore a brace on my wrist, but my wrist wasn't going to be OK the next day. It took a while for my wrist to to get back. It, it didn't get back 100%. You know, I can't bend it back as much as I can bend my other wrist back. But that's what happens. Um, I'm not a woman, but I'm sure the same thing when a woman is giving birth. Right? You want the baby to just go ahead and come out. But I've seen situations, heard situations where women have been in labor for multiple hours. Right? And you got you to gotta go through that. You know? And so that's kind of what it is right now. There's, there's like there's not an immediate fix, but I just want to kind of I just want to kind of put that out there that listen, it's easy to point the finger at at one person. It's easy to do that, but as a collective, as Americans, seemingly since at least two thousand, because this, as far as my recollection of like global warming and green green initiatives come up since 2000 this has been a talking point under the obama administration um putting out things to where gas mileage for vehicles you have the state of california saying that they want to be they're not going to produce any gas powering they're not going to allow for any gas powered cars past 2030 new to be manufactured by 2030 it's 2022 so we're talking about eight years so you have aggressive initiatives like this going on it has nothing to do with the biden administration nothing to do obviously he made the initiative to say hey, we want to be carbon neutral by this particular point of time but he's not the first president to come out and say that they had climate goals that they want to meet and things like that this precedes him and so it's aggressive policies like that, extra regulation on manufacturers of cars, such things as catalytic converters and all these particular, like all of these particular different things have made big 
investments in oil not worth it? Because when you make an investment, you want the investment to pay off. That's what you want. If 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 you go to school for four years, six years, or whatever, if you go to school, college, get your doctoral, you want that investment to pay off. You don't want to go to school, get a doctoral, and then next thing you know, day after graduation, they say, oh, we're sorry, but there are zero job openings, period, for what you just went to school for. Point blank, period. There are zero. Or the demand is so low that... We don't have to pay you a competitive salary. Right. So it's interesting now where like the dynamics have changed where it was at one point in time, engineers, you know, doctors and stuff like that were probably the highest paid. But now you get into a space now where technology people are assuming that particular position. It's the same thing with this. The economy is changing. Um, divestments in oil. You know, less projects are impacting what's going on right now. And it was exacerbated by oil literally going to negative, which did not happen under the Biden administration, happened under the Trump administration. All right. But but that's all I got to say about that. Um, Some people probably still say it's, uh, it's Joe Biden's fault. And I'm not here to change your mind. All I'm here to do is to at least give you a little backstory to say, well, you know, hey, come on. It's not solely his fault. Now, again, he's been in politics since before I was born and I'm 32 years old. So I'm sure he has voted and again was Obama's vice president when, you know, Obama had climate goals that he wanted to be met. So I'm sure he had a hand in, you know, the divestment in big oil. But this is a collective issue. So, but that's that. So that's another episode of the Paradigm 132 podcast. Back to you again next week. Peace.